And you have to understand when you read this scripture, you don't understand. If you only read this scripture, you don't understand the context that it's taken in. So here in a moment, we're going to read 2 Corinthians, uh, some of 2 Corinthians 4 through 2 Corinthians 5, 5. Because when the Apostle Paul wrote uh, 2 Corinthians, he did not have chapter margins nor verses. Those were added by the translators. This was meant to be read all at one time to the whole body. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Scripture was meant to be heard. Yes, it's meant to be read. But in its initial intent, it was meant to be read. The epistles were meant to be read to the entire body. So we'll get into that in just a moment and what the rest of it says. But I do want to talk just for a moment about a great loss that our church suffered this week, because it did. Friday morning, I was in one of the most beautiful locations on the earth. I was on a beach, (laughs) and I was overwhelmed with grief. Because that's when it hit me that we lost Dave. Many of you, if you saw, saw Dave, you'd know who I'm talking about. He was, he was our bass player for years and years and years, and he passed away this week. And I was overcome with grief on Friday. I think that's when it hit me. I was out of town, and, and, and the news came, but it hit me. Friday, and I hope I have my days right, whatever morning I woke up <laughs> on the beach. You know, I'm still on vacation time a little bit, I think. And I got, kept getting my days mixed up. But it hit me. And then it hit me that I was experiencing this grief, this loss, and that there are others experiencing this grief and this loss. It, it, it's, it was a difficult week for the River Church. We lost a great man, a friend, a brother. And it's not fair. He's gone too soon. We need him here with us. He has a place that no one else can fill. There are flowers sitting on his uh, amplifier this morning. But there's a place, a void that, that can't be filled. He's a grandpa, a dad, all those things. And I was sitting there on Friday morning, and it was kind of hitting me. And then I thought, I've got to get up on Sunday and try to talk about the good news of the gospel in the face of this grief, in the face of this loss, in the face of this suffering. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was not excited about that proposition. I was overwhelmed by that proposition. And I'd be lying to you if I said to you that it is not difficult to be standing up here this morning. Because what I don't want to do is try to put a good spin on a bad thing. I don't want to reduce this grief and this loss that we've experienced to some cliché. Because it can't be. 
And so I turn to the only place that I know to turn when I'm going through times like that. That the times in our life when we are walking through the valley, when we are so distraught and so upset that we don't know what to do, we don't know what words to say, we don't know how to respond. We don't even know how to move forward sometimes. We don't even know how to take the next step. I turned to the one place I knew I could turn. I turned to Christ. I turned to the word. And I didn't even know where to look into the scripture. I didn't even know where. I mean, yes, I could do a Google search. (laughs) But I turned to the church lectionary. And the church lectionary this week is 2 Corinthians 4, 13 through 5, 5. And so I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians 4, and I'm going to back it up to 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 6. Or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 2 Corinthians 5, 5. Like I already mentioned, it was all one letter. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. It doesn't sound like a prosperity gospel right there, does it? We live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face, so we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God. So I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we will never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things which we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body, made for us by God himself. And not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies 
like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe, clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. God has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he's given us his Holy Spirit. And I want to look for just a few moments. At some, I want to take some points out of the scriptures that we just read. I know it's a lot of scripture. But it's good. It's good. So I'm going to try to move rapido. That's about the extent of my Spanish. Rapido. Is that even Spanish? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> First thing I want to say is from verse 5 that Paul tells us is that Jesus Christ is Lord. The same God who said, let there be light, has caused his light to shine on us so that we can see the glory of God. We're told in verse 5. God has caused his light to shine on us so that we can see the glory of God. And Jesus Christ is Lord. And so what does the glory of God look like? It looks like Jesus. Whatever the glory of God is, it looks like Jesus. According to scripture. It looks like a man who welcomes children and the stranger and the outcasts who heals the leper, who goes to the people that no one else will go to. The glory of God, whatever else it looks like, it also looks like that. Looks like someone who validates women in a time when that was not done. Whatever else the glory of God looks like, and it looks like a lot of things, it also looks like that. Because it is seen in the face of Jesus. The glory of God, whatever else it looks like, it looks like someone who looks at the people who are murdering him and says, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. That's what the glory of God looks like. The glory of God for, for, for everything that it is. The glory that Moses saw and all that. It also looks like the face of Jesus. It looks like someone who, when they are going through the hardest time of their life, they say, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. God, be glorified in me. God, let your glory, let that light shine in me. Let me look like the face of Jesus. Let my life look like the face of Jesus. Okay, that's my first point. Secondly, the second thing I want to pull out of these scriptures found in verse 7, our power comes from God. The fragility of our bodies and life are a reminder to us that our power isn't from us, but from God. We are fragile. We are like jars of clay. We're fragile, but there's a light in us that is not fragile. There's a power in us that is not fragile. And though we will break down, that light won't. The older I get, the, 
the more I realize I'm breaking down. I'm dreading getting up and going to work tomorrow because my back is going to hurt and my neck is going to hurt and all these other things, my knee after a long day, especially when I've been on vacation for a week, running up in and out of that truck. I'm just going to be exhausted. I already know it. I feel sorry for my family when I get home tomorrow night. <laughs> Our life is fragile. We are fragile. Our bodies are withering, but the light, the power that comes from God is not. That's my second point. My third point is through suffering, our bodies share in the death of Jesus. Through suffering, our bodies share in the death of Jesus. Again, I don't believe that God brings suffering on you. I don't believe that God causes you to suffer. But I believe that in that suffering, if you suffer well, and what does it mean to suffer well? To suffer like Christ. In that suffering, suffering's going to come. Uh, Jesus tells us it's, it's coming. In this life, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. You will have trials. You will have sorrow. Things are going to come your way. But in those things, as you experience those things, you share in the death of Christ. Through suffering, our bodies share. That's verse 10. Through suffering, our bodies share in the death of Christ. Number four, the apostle says, that living in the face of death, verse 12, has brought eternal life to others. The fact that the Apostle Paul was persecuted and run out of town after town after town brought the gospel to many, many people who would have never heard it otherwise. Again, God did not cause Paul to be beaten and did not cause him to be stoned to where they thought he was dead. But in that suffering, because Paul submitted himself just like Christ did in the garden, God was glorified. Through our sufferings, I'm sorry, I already read that one. Uh, <laughs> Paul said, living in the face of death brings eternal life to others. And how we suffer can bring eternal life to others. How we handle things can bring eternal life to others. And, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, my whole sermon was not to talk about Dave, but I, I think about Dave and his last couple months, especially the last few weeks, were not ideal. But I, I believe this with everything that's in me, is that Christ in him and how he suffered and how he handled. We went to see him at the hospital, Pastor Walker and I did, and we couldn't even hardly get out of him what was wrong with him. He didn't even want to talk about what was wrong with him. All he wanted to say was, I'm sorry I haven't been at church. <laughs> he suffered, but he suffered with that light inside of him. And I believe that there are people in the family, other people who saw him and witnessed it are going to be impacted. I believe that. That somehow in his suffering, in his death, life will spark in someone else. Because that's the promise we have. Because we are not as those who have no hope. 
Because if we were, then we would, of all men, be most miserable. If all we have is this life, then we are, of all men, most miserable. But we have hope. We have hope this morning. (laughs) We have hope. And although Dave wasn't standing here playing bass this morning in the heavenly band, (laughs) there's a new face. And he's strumming that bass guitar. And they're probably still singing. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. That was the fourth thing. The fifth thing comes from verse 14. The same God who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us too. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, we learn in Romans the 8th chapter. It dwells in us. And it will quicken our mortal bodies. Amen. Last night we were... um, Sitting on the runway, getting ready to take off. I'm always nervous to take off and landing. That's when that's when the problems happen. If you're going to die in an airplane, it's going to be take off and land. And I was just sitting there thinking about this big bus on the highway or on this on the runway. I mean, this thing is huge. A 737 was 187,000 pounds. And there were 175 people. They told us over and over, the flight is full, the flight is full. They told us over and over. 175 people, all coming back from vacation where they didn't exercise and they ate and ate and ate and ate. So that 187,000 is probably pushing 200. And the force of gravity is holding that plane on the ground. Gravity is holding that plane down. And if you had never seen a plane take off, And I tried telling you, that thing is going to fly. You'd be like, you're crazy. But as that thing starts lumbering down the highway, and I kept hearing noise, like, what was that noise? I'm always thinking the landing gear is going to break or something on the front. Those two tires, they look tiny, but they're huge, actually. That thing's lumbering down. Then all of a sudden, the jet thrusters hit. And then something stronger than gravity pushes that plane up. That does not mean gravity is not real. Or that as soon as that jet propulsion ends, (laughs) gravity won't bring you back down. But I was thinking about that. And we've talked about, I've heard it said that to a Christian, to a believer, death is a door. And I believe that. But as I'm going down that runway last night, I was thinking death's kind of like a runway. It's uncomfortable. It's a little terrifying. And gravity is real and death is real. But there's a power greater than death. There is a power that is greater than death. There is one who has gone into death and overcome death. And come out on the other side of death. And he walks us down that runway. And then we soar. And I believe with all of my heart that our brother Dave is more alive this morning than he's ever been. And that he is soaring. 
that he's not in pain. He is with Christ. The Apostle Paul says to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And yes, death is real. Gravity's real. <laughs> but there's coming a day when we will take off. And we will shake off the... Because see, the apostle says it's going to be in that day that we will say death wears your sting. Grave wears... Because death right now stings. It's painful. And death right now does, is allowed to speak. But it does not get the last word. Jesus Christ gets the last word. Amen. Amen. We serve a God who has walked through death and come out on the other side. And he's not just waiting on the other side for us. He is walking through it with us. Amen. Amen. Uh, the sixth thing comes from verse 15. The goal of all of this life, all of, the, all of the pain, all the suffering that we face and that we go through and the hard times that we go through is so that, let me look, I want to read it. It's verse 15. And, this, and all of this is for your benefit as God's grace reaches more and more people. The point to, to living is for God's grace to reach more and more people. What are you called to do? What does God want you to do? To take grace to people. To deliver God's grace to people. To more and more people. That's, that's the point. Whatever you find yourself doing, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might and take grace. Take God's grace to people. Amen. 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 The goal of this is to get grace to people. Uh, verse 16, Paul says, we never give up. We never give up. We never give up. Sometimes we want to. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we don't want to go through the, what we're walking through, but we can never give up. The eighth thing, verse 17, this present trouble, compared to what is waiting, is small and temporary. Not that I'm not trying to minimize, and, and I don't believe the Apostle Paul is trying to minimize the struggles that we go through in this life. But compared with the glory that is to come, they are temporary and small. They're temporary and small. Number nine comes from verse 18. Focus on the things that we cannot see, not what we can see. Man, this is hard. It's so hard because we, we always focus on the trouble right in front of us. We, 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 we're just putting, it seems like we're putting out fires all the time. We're always just focusing on what is right in front of us. Paul says we need to focus on the things that we cannot see because those are the things that are eternal. And what is it that we cannot see? It's Christ. Christ said to Thomas, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who do not see but still believe. That's you and me. And we cannot see, but we believe anyway. We must focus on those things, not the trouble that's in front of us. It's 
Sometimes we focus on the urgent, not the important. That's what they, when I went to a Wendy's training one time when I was working at Wendy's Old Fashioned Hamburgers, they said, we, don't just, we can't just focus on the urgent, we've got to focus on the important. <laughs> Didn't really apply to Wendy's because it was all urgent. <laughs> can't think of anything important. <laughs> but I thought that's a good lesson in life. <laughs> Don't just focus on the urgent. Focus on the important. All right. We focus on Christ. And number 10, this is the last thing. The Holy Spirit that comes and fills us is a down payment on the resurrection of our bodies. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, And he has identified us as his own, speaking of God, by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. And then what I've read to you several times already, 2 Corinthians 5.5, God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee he has given us his Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit, we learn our true identity, that we're God's own. We're God's own. We are the children of God. You are God's own. You are made in the image of God. I don't know what's been said about you or to you, what other people have said behind your back about you or to your face about you. You are made in the image of God, and you are God's own. He loves you. And he wanted to extend his grace to you. He wants to forgive you. And whatever you're going through does not mean that God has abandoned you or forgotten about you. It will pale in comparison to what is waiting for you. And though we suffer now, what we suffer is not defining. Our diagnosis is not who we are. What people say about you is not who you are. The truest thing about you is that you are a child of God. Not your record at the county jailhouse or at the federal prison or wherever. The truest thing about you is that you are a child of God. Amen. Amen. We're going to move into a time of communion.